This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I am Will Brinson. I am your host, and I am thrilled to be here with you on Thursday, May the 14th. I don't even know how many weeks or months or whatever we are into quarantine, but it sure does feel like a lot. Uh, thank you for your continued patronage of the Pick 6 Podcast. If you like us a little bit or a lot, uh, go ahead and feel free to go to uh, Apple Podcasts. Download and subscribe and leave a five-star review. And while you're at it, you know, if you get your podcast through a different format, go ahead and follow us on Spotify. I've been, uh, I gotta tell you, I've been listening to some, um, I've been trying to get into some non-sports podcasts to sort of expand my, uh, horizons. I found a good one on, uh, on Spotify, Job Breach. You want to hear about it? Uh, I mean, I don't, but you're going to tell me anyway, so I'll, I'll act interested. Okay. I mean, like, I don't like to promote non-CBS podcasts, but I'll, you know, promote, I'll, I'll talk about whatever. If I like it, I will talk about it. I don't, uh, I don't fake endorse stuff. Um, by the way, I was on the Bill Barnwell show, uh, on Wednesday. You can check that out as well. Bill's got a great podcast. If you like your humble that, brag, we did, uh, I do it once You're here for Brinson's humble brags. You can keep listening. If you're not, you can fast forward five minutes. <laughs> That's right. Uh, they say that you can tell a lot about the host of a podcast by how long it takes him to get to the content. <laughs> longer, the longer that it takes, the more of a humble bragging a-hole he is. <laughs> Here we are at 12 minutes. Um, uh, uh, anyway, so Barnwell and I did a draft of win totals. It was actually a fun idea, and we had some interesting discussions there. But the podcast that I found is called, and Debo, I'm curious if you've heard about this. It's called Wind of Change. Have you heard about it? Yeah, that one's that one's hot at the moment. It's trending. Okay, okay it's trending. Okay, I heard. I, I was listening to a, a Chuck Klosterman music podcast and heard an ad for it, and like stopped listening to whatever I was listening and downloaded it. Breach, do you know what Wind of Change is about? Uh, it sounds like the title of George R.R. R. Martin's next book, to be honest. No. Do you know the song Wind of Change? Um, no. What did you do? By the Scorpions? I'm not a Scorpions fan. Diva, did you know about the song until the podcast? No. You know, See, I don't I said, know okay, any of that this stuff. actually proves a point. Now, I'm a, look, I'm a music file, so I'm, you know, scor- I'm a big Scorpions fan. Uh, life, I have a Scorpions tattoo on my, on my right shoulder. But, um, the thing about the Scorpions is Wind of Change is Rock You Like a Hurricane is wildly popular around the world. Everybody knows that song. Wind of Change is not popular in America, but it is crazy popular in Russia. And the theory behind the podcast is that the CIA wrote Wind of Change as a psychological manipulation to help overthrow the Russian government during the Cold War. And uh, I am fascinated by this podcast. That is everything I want from a podcast. Maybe we should do a daily uh, hair metal pod. What do you think, Debo? Uh, how about we do a podcast about how David Hasselhoff's songs took over Germany 
and increased relationships between the United States and Germany, and they're now our best friends because of David Hasselhoff. So you're saying that David Hasselhoff killed Hitler? I mean, maybe something like that. And in case you are wondering what I'm doing, Brinson's listening to these nonsensical podcasts. I've been, for the past five weeks, listening to baby podcasts. Just about babies. That's it. That's all I do. I, really I, I, a podcast with Brinson and I talk to babies. There's that great line in Arrested Development where Lucille Bluth is like, she's like, I mean, I don't blame me. There's not a handbook for raising kids. It's him. Like, there are literally hundreds of handbooks for raising children. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to this podcast then. We are going to break down the NFC and AFC South win totals and futures with Breach here. And, uh, all this week is gambling week on the podcast, two divisions per day. Uh, plus you can go and check out. Uh, as I mentioned, Barnwell's pod, we talked about win totals. Last week's pod, we talked to RJ White about awards that you can bet on. And we have a cool discussion coming up later today, uh, depending on what time you're listening, with Jonathan Jones, where we uh, talk about what life will be like with if if there are no fans in stadiums. Uh, let me say something real quick, because we're about to talk about over-unders. And something I've been looking up and haven't been able to find the answer to is, what if the NFL schedule gets trimmed down Due to coronavirus, say they only play 14 games. Does your ticket become, uh, void or did you just bet on the crappiest over ever? Cause there's no way it's going to hit because the NFL is only playing 14 games instead of 16. Well, I asked Nick Bogdanovich of William Hill on Monday about that. I don't think he gave us a clear answer, right? Yeah. He but did. I don't think I was they... like, I was like, I was like, Hey man, like, uh, hypothetically for anyone who might have. Uh, a son's over what's happening. He's like, well, those people might be in trouble. It's like, well, yeah, I need an answer. What are you going to do, bro? And, and I think that's, I think that's the answer is that if, if there's only 12 games played and you take the Saints 10 and a half over, you're screwed because you lost. That's the, you yeah. know, that's part of the risk of the bet. Well, I think he was insinuating, at least what I took from it, that all of them would be canceled because he said there would be some people who already hit overs who got very unlucky and people who are already locked on unders who got very lucky. So I think if they don't play the full 80, the, like the full 82 games, they'll cancel it. And I would think if they don't play the full 16 games, that they would cancel out the bet, which means that if you're going to bet these over unders, you should probably, I mean, it stinks because some of them are, you'd like to bet them now, but you should probably wait, you know, like, because it might not be until February when they cancel it out, which means you're going to have that money pending. And then you might want to go back and rebet the over under for a 12 or 14 game season if that were to happen. And so then you'd have like, 42 bets pending to try and get all those over-unders out. That sounds like a typical day in the Brinson household. 42 bets pending. Yeah. All pending on Russian ping pong. I love Russian ping pong. But we're not talking Russian ping pong today. Shaggy. Olaf uh, Shagarov. That guy crushes. The wild card there can get off the rails. All right. Let's get to uh, the NFC South. Speaking of both, we should have, this podcast should have been named Off the Rails. That would have been a good name. Yeah. Uh, the NFC South will start with the New Orleans Saints. Drew Brees, Sean Payton, Taysom, the fighting Taysom Hills, as we like to call them. Uh, the over under here breaches 10 and a half wins. What do you think? I like the over because I'm just absolutely sold on Sean Payton's confidence. Remember this guy, Sean Payton last month, he said, you know what? I don't know what the NFL is going to do yet, but we're canceling everything. We're canceling OTAs. We're canceling minicamp. I don't want to see you guys until July. If a coach is coming out and saying that, that is a coach who is highly confident in the players he has on the team. His system, he knows Drew Brees knows his system inside and out. His offensive players know it inside and out. There's only a couple guys that have to kind of figure out what's going on, uh, Cesar Ruiz and, and Emmanuel Sanders. But the rest of that team, even the defense is so solid that, 
Uh, I, I think they're the one team that benefits the most by uh, all this offseason stuff being canceled. We don't know when training camp's going to start. So if there is one NFC South win total I feel pretty comfortable about, it is taking the over on the Saints, which I think we have at 10.5. We do have it at 10.5. Yeah, I mean, I think that um... – I mean, a ten and a half is a is a lot here, uh, but it's hard not to like the Saints, especially if the Falcons end up being not great, which I think is possible. The Panthers aren't exactly dynamic. Um, you know, the uh, the Saints are not going to have to play outdoors until Sunday, November first, against the Bears in Soldier Field, and they only have, I think, like. Five total outdoor games. So you expect them to be pretty good on offense. I mean, they just have a great roster. I wouldn't want to take the under, but ten and a half is a is a big number here for me. Um, I don't know. I I, I I'm totally like I'm torn because I feel like you kind of got to be either on the Bucks or on the Saints. Like, can can we get a 11 win season from the Saints and a 10 win season from the Bucks? Do we think that can happen? I, I do think that, and I also think that. Look, if you look break down the Saints schedule into four game segments, right? Do you think they can go three and one in each of those segments? That gets them to 12 and four, and you have a game buffer if that happens. So those first four games, you have the Buccaneers, you have at the Raiders, the Packers at home, and at the Lions. I absolutely think they can go three and one there, you know? And then the next yeah. four games, Chargers, Panthers, at Bears, at Buccaneers. Uh I would like to think they can beat the Panthers and Chargers in New Orleans, and then you go one and one against the Bears and Buccaneers on the road. They're three and one again, and then it, it, you just look at the schedule like that, and you even have one game where you can slip up. Uh, so it's it just looking at their entire schedule the way it breaks down. I think they can get to twelve wins, and so the fact that eleven also gets me a win here, I, I just like the over. Okay, um, it's not an easy schedule, but you're right. I mean, uh, yeah, certainly could happen. All right, so the Buccaneers. Tampa is, I don't know if you heard this, John. Tampa has Tom Brady. What? When did that happen? I, I, like last night, they announced it at like 1159. I don't know why you wouldn't do do it in prime time or even during free agency in March, but no, May, middle of May, 1159. And they added Rob Gronkowski. Breaking news there too. What do you think about the Buccaneers who, according to William Hill, um, over under nine and a half now. It was nine. The over is minus 140 on nine and a half. That is a lot of juice to get him to 10 wins. Yeah, I think the whole thing with the Buccaneers is that I, Tom Brady has to win 10 games. That's it. Could you imagine uh, <laughs> any time in his career betting against Tom Brady getting to double-digit wins? You would never do it. And, yes, he has switched teams. And, yes, he does have to learn a new offense, and he might not have a lot of time to do it because practice time could be cut. But there's no way I'm betting against Tom Brady uh not getting to 10 wins. I just think the over-under at 9.5, I think he can get to the double digits. You look at their schedule, here's what I like. I like the fact that they host two West Coast teams in Tampa. That usually works out to uh, advantage for the Eastern time zone teams. The Rams play in Tampa. The Chargers play in Tampa. Uh, they play the Giants. They play the Detroit Lions. Uh, and I think... Worst case scenario in this division, I cannot see Tampa doing any worse than three and three in the NFC South. This team's not going to go two and four or one and five. There's just virtually no way that happens. So if they just get those three wins, then you're just talking about going, uh, you know, you have 10, seven and three. And I absolutely think in the, in the non-division games, I absolutely think the Buccaneers can do that. Can, can I, can I share something with you that, um, 
is frustrating. Like we'll pull back the curtain. I use NFL. I use, I have used NFL.com's scheduling pages to, to do all of my win total analysis because I love the format that they put them in. It was always the same. You know, you could, I could easily run through and like, the, 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 the icons were very big. The team logos were very big. They have deleted all of them. They deleted all the schedule pages on their website. What the hell are you doing? There's a 404 challenge flag error now or penalty flag error when you go to any team schedule page and you have to end up redirecting to like tvbuccaneers.com. What the hell? Uh- as as the resident tech guy here, Brinson is uh, on his Mac from 1996 and still has a AOL email. I think what happened is they updated their entire site. They completely revamped it, and they haven't redesigned all the pages yet. So the only ones that are alive are the most recent stories, and then you have to fill it up from the back end. Uh, and you would think the schedules would be one of the first things they do, but they haven't. I also got the 404 flag, so they're going to look for my schedule somewhere else. And one more thing on the Buccaneers, I do want to say. No, you used them too, though. They were very helpful and like easy. Oh yeah, to dive. yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. It's very easily organized. But real quick on the Bucks is that they went seven to nine with Jameis Winston. Let's not forget that they were only three wins away. Jameis Winston cost them at least two wins. Their kicker cost them at least two wins. Remember that crazy Giants game in Week Three? Their kicker missed like a forty-yard field goal with no time left. That would have been a win. So this team was on the brink of hitting nine or ten wins with Jameis Winston and his 30 interceptions. So I just think doing it with Tom Brady uh, is almost going to be easy. All right. I, I'm with you. I think the Buccaneers are a good bet to go over. Um, I would point out, too, that uh, you know, look, this is an 8.2 win team uh, based on the uh, their point differential. They won seven games. And you can, e- you can point to a couple of those games where they lost to the Seahawks in overtime uh, in, in Seattle. They lost the Falcons in overtime on a pick six, and they had that crazy game in week eight against the Titans where they lost, and there was like a fake, um, there's a fake, uh, punt that was snuffed out and re- would have been returned for a game winning touchdown, but the, uh, the refs incorrectly ruled it down and they couldn't challenge it. So to me, I'm with you, Breach. This is a team that, uh, you know, really struggled out of the gate to be organized and finally put it together. They lost the Giants by one point. Like, what are you doing losing the Giants? They were, they were up big and Daniel Jones stormed back. Like, this should have been an 11-win team last year. And I like, I like, I like their chances a lot. I would uh, point out as well, the 2012 Denver Broncos signed Peyton Manning and he was coming off a bunch of neck surgery. So a little different situation, but at the age of 36, they actually started one and, uh, one and two and then got to two and three. And after losing to the Patriots in New England, they beat the Chargers before their bye, and they didn't lose again until they lost to Joe Flacco and the Ravens in the playoffs. So I, I think there is a decent chance that even if the Buccaneers come out of the gate slow and they have, they're at the Saints, they have the Panthers at Denver versus the Chargers, like even if they're two and two, I think there's a really good chance they could rip off a bunch of wins as Brady starts to get more and more comfortable during the season. Uh, with his teammates. So I, I'm with you here. I think this is uh, an easy overplay on the Buccaneers. The Falcons, seven and a half wins over under over minus 120, under even money. What say you, Breach? Man, I people keep talking about taking the Falcons under here, but I am all over this over. Look, hmm. you look at what Dan Quinn has done. They've averaged 8.6 wins per season under Dan Quinn, which is good. And I know the last two seasons they've gone seven and nine, but that means the last two seasons, they've literally been one win away from hitting this over. And if you look at what they did last year, there are a bunch of close games. I think they lost four games by one score, four of their nine games. 
And is this really comes down to which Falcons team do you think is the real Falcons? Do you think it was the, the Falcons team that won in seven in their first eight games last year? Or is it the Falcons team that went six and two in the second half of the season? That six and two record included wins over the Saints, the 49ers. Those were two huge wins against teams that were looking to improve their playoff standing. So I do think the Falcons can hit this over. They've been really good in division two, even though they went seven and nine last year, they went four and two in the division. So if they win three or four division games, Again, uh, then you win a couple other ones, beat the Bears, the Lions, the Broncos. You get up to eight wins. All they have to do is go to 500. I think they can get to 500. I'm going to fade you. I'll take the under on the Falcons. I think you talk about the second half performance by Atlanta last year. Uh, they better show up in the first half this year because there's after their week 10 bye, they're at New Orleans, home against the Raiders, home against the Saints, at the Chargers, home against the Buccaneers, at the Chiefs, at the Buccaneers to close out. That is a brutal second half schedule for the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's unreasonable to suggest that they win two of those games, May, maybe three. So I think you're three and four down the stretch, which means that you have to be, uh, what five and, uh, five and four. Is that right? Can't do yes. math. Five and four, yes. That That would be nine. Nine minus five would be four. Uh, so you need to be five and four coming into the break. I think to have a good shot at that over. Um, they play the entire NFC North before the break, which is very helpful and the Panthers twice. So I will say that their performance against the NFC North and they're at Minnesota, home against Detroit, at Green Bay, home against Chicago in that stretch. Um, and their, their games against the Panthers will basically determine how the Falcons do. I don't trust this team quite yet. I don't, I don't know that their offensive line is necessarily good. I think here's the biggest thing that bugs me about the Falcons. All offseason, they've been bragging about being the only team in NFL history to start 11 first round picks at the same time on offense. Okay, cool. You got Todd Gurley and Laquan Treadwell to do that. Like you're really, you're, you're forcing out a three wide receiver set with Laquan Treadwell to brag about having nothing but first round picks. That feels a little dumb to me. Like, why not be like, we've got a good offense and we think it can really compete. You're bragging about 11 first round picks with Laquan Treadwell and the guy that the Rams cut in Todd Gurley, who is a degenerative as first reported by our own John Breach, right knee because of arth- an arthritic condition. Like, that's your brag. I don't, I'm not here for it. Get out of town. Falcons under. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. Brinson. What if, what if Gurley bounces back? There's so much, I, there are a lot of question marks. I think this is not an easy bet to make. I'll say it, that. It's, it, it's a tough one. They could, they could go eight and eight and miss the playoffs and Dan Quinn gets fired and you hit the over. The Carolina Panthers over under five and a half wins. The over is minus 110. The under the same price. I actually have been pretty impressed with what the Panthers have done this offseason. I know when March rolled around, we're like, this team is tanking. They're going to be horrible. But now they've slowly kind of built this team that I think can win a few games. I know it's a totally revamped defense, totally revamped offense. And and the problem with that is that, you know, there's not a lot of time to build that team chemistry to kind of gel on the field before the season starts, especially, you know, this is a team I talked about the Saints probably are the one team that gets the most advantage from no OTAs, no minicamp. I would say the Panthers would be one team that hurts the most. And I just can't see them, uh, getting to six wins looking at this schedule. I mean, they're going to have a tough time. You look at their opening five Raiders at Buccaneers at Chargers, Cardinals at Falcons, like they could ju- start out of the gate. zero and five. So I, I just don't think there's a path for them to get the six wins. Yeah. I mean, I was, uh, Jonathan Jones was on the show with me earlier this off season, like way back before 
before Cam Newton was even released and which was really like eight weeks ago, but feels like 14 years. Um, and, uh, and we said that you should hammer the Panthers under. I, I think I've been a little flipped by what Carolina has done this offseason up to and including their, their draft, which was all defensive players. I think for like the first time in modern NFL draft history, the team did that. Uh, I do think that their defense will be substantially better because of the players that they added, whether it's, you know, Derek Brown or Jeremy Chin, Yetter Gross Matos in the second round was a really nice pick. Uh, but at the same time, you have one of the worst defenses in football and you are asking a bunch of rookies to come in and be difference makers. And I just don't know that it's going to work. I think there's a foundation here for this team to be very good in the future. Uh, DJ Moore can be a breakout player here. I think you know, Teddy Bridgewater in Joe Brady's system, utilizing satellite guys like uh, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, uh, Christian McCaffrey, and then Robbie Anderson to sort of, t- you know, go up top on this, on the shots they take there. I think this offense can work and it can score. I want to be bullish on this team, but I feel like I'm being dumb and, and flipping too quickly on it. Brenton, I don't know how you just, you're talking yourself in circles, man. That's what you do in this offseason. And when you're doing that, you know what you do? You go with your gut. And yeah, original gut was under. Yeah, I think I still stay under. I mean, I think they could. I think they can go over it because they have games against like the Lions, and they, again, it probably comes down to the Falcons games. You know, same deal for them. But this is God, it's a tough schedule. It just it just isn't an easy schedule. So I'll, I will I will stick with the under. I don't think it's a team that I think it's a team that wants to do what the Dolphins did last year, win like four to five games and get with great draft pick and give people hope for the future. And the one thing I will say is I feel like the game against the Raiders is the big one. If they win that, I would feel good about them getting to six wins. And I feel like that's a coin flip game because it is in Charlotte and the Raiders are so bad. It's a, it's, it's a literally pick, yeah. Uh So you win that, all of a sudden you have a little bit of confidence. You probably don't beat the Buccaneers and Brady's home opener. But then maybe you beat the Chargers. Maybe you beat the Cardinals. There's just a lot of, uh you know, I said those games were tough. But if your team, you get on that field, you win that first game, all of a sudden you feel like, all right, we can beat some teams. Well, like if they, if they beat the Raiders, Cardinals and Bears, and I, I, that's not crazy. Like I think they will be at worst, you know, two point dogs to those teams in, in those games. If they beat those teams and then, I mean, like you're probably getting to six because may, maybe, I don't know. This is tough. I would stick with the under. I'll say they go under. I just don't think it's going to be a great team. Teddy Bridgewater is the annoying signing. Like I thought they were going to roll with like Will Greer and Kyle Allen. Then it was like a slam jammer under five and a half. But Teddy Bridgewater has such a high floor that it concerns me. Uh, all right. Let's talk NFC South, uh, division odds. Saints minus 110, Bucks plus 160, Falcons six to one, Panthers 14 to one. Uh, to win the NFC, the Saints are five and a half to one, Bucks six to one, Falcons 20 to one, Panthers 60 to one. And to win the Super Bowl, the Saints 11 to one, Bucks 12 to one, Falcons 60 to one, and Panthers 125 to one. Does any of those uh, those odds interest you, Breach? I am very interested by the Buccaneers winning the division. What were those again? Plus 160. Plus, yeah, I'll take that all day. Plus 160 because, look, you have – I think my favorite part is that if the Buccaneers look cohesive on the field, because I am a little worried about the offense – but like you said, you mentioned the Peyton Manning starting with the Broncos. They got off to a little bit of a slow start, and then they rolled through the rest of the season. I could see that happening with Tampa Bay just because they play New Orleans. They might get blown out of that first game. Everybody's going to stop talking about the team and be like, well, Tom Brady's washed up. They just lost 41-20 to 20 
Uh, everybody's going to start writing them off and assume the Saints are the favorites there. I could see the Buccaneers starting maybe one and two. Maybe they lose the Broncos in Denver, lose to the Saints, beat the Panthers, and everybody's low on the Buccaneers, and then they just roll through the rest of the season. So I like the Buccaneers to win the division. I like those numbers. I think that you can actually uh do it, and I mean, this is sort of a, a weenie way to do it, but, like, you could bet – Two units, I mean, there's a rough, you know, two units on the Saints, minus 110, and 1.5 units on the Buccaneers at plus 160, and you would clear, uh, assuming a unit's $100, you would clear $35 with that sort of hedge. Is that worth your time? I don't, that might be worth your time. I mean, it depends on how much, you know, if you do it on a credit book where you don't have to front the money, you know what I mean? Brenton, my first rule of gambling is never hedge. But like, do you, now you're totally effed up a river when the Falcons start seven and zero, like, like the Buccaneers and Saints aren't winning the division. Um, I just feel like there's a really good chance that one of those teams wins the division. I would, if I were betting on this division, I would decide whether I want to be in on, actually, you know what? I like the Bucks to win the division too. I'm going to say the Saints are the best bet. Minus 110 is crazy, man. Like that's, I mean, that's just a good price. You're all like basically standard juice for Drew Brees and Sean Payton to come out and win 12 games. That's all it is. I, 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 I sort of like that bet. Crazy talk, Brenton. You think they can, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to bet against, I don't want to be rooting against Tom Brady, and the Buccaneers all season though. That's not a comfortable feeling. No. Um, all right. Uh, I don't really love any of the NFC winner odds. I'm not touching the Falcons or the Panthers. Uh, Bucks, Saints to 11 to 1 is not a terrible Super Bowl odds, but not, not worth gambling on, I don't think. Let's take a break when we come back. Best bet, my best bet on the over under series coming up after the break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The AFC South, and you know where it starts, John Breach. It starts Philly Philly? No, not that Philly Philly. Philly Rivers! The Indianapolis Colts over under nine wins. Over is minus 135. The under is plus 115, according to our friends at William Hill. Uh, I'm going to go and tell you that this over is my best bet of the entire slate. Yeah, I feel like, uh, you know, think about 15 years ago. If the over under would have been nine on how many kids Philip Rivers was going to have, you would have taken the under. We're about to hit that over, and I think this over is also going to hit, and it's all going to come down to whether or not – uh you know, Philip Rivers can adjust quickly to the Colts offense, and there's no reason to think he can't because he's familiar with all these guys. That's the biggest advantage Indy has. Tom Brady does not have that familiarity that Rivers is going to have in Indy because he 
He's worked with Frank Reich before with the Chargers. He's worked with Colts offense coordinator Nick Soriani before with the Chargers. He's going to have an offensive line this year. You know what we've seen Phillip Rivers do for the past five years? Running for his life, and he's not a fast man. So he usually gets crushed uh, by opposing defenses because the Chargers just didn't have a good offensive line. Now he has one. I'm actually anxious to see what he can do when he actually gets some time to throw. That should be interesting. I think the Colts uh, are going to be good this year. And, Brenton, I don't know if this is a good sign, but I actually agree with you that uh, the Colts feel like a lock for the over here. I, I just don't know how they don't go over nine wins. I, I mean, it, and, the, and the price is getting higher. I wouldn't I mean, I would I wouldn't want to take it at nine and a half. I'd vastly prefer nine, as we mentioned, you know, with the there is some concern if the scheduling gets all mixed up. But, like, you know, this is not a team that I think is going to worry too much about uh, home field advantage per se. Uh, they have, you know, they have, they open up against Jacksonville, Minnesota, the Jets at home, at Chicago, at Cleveland, home against Cincinnati. I think they're going to be six and oh going into their week seven bye. And people are like, whoa, Rivers is kind of rolling. When you look at what they did this offseason, their first round pick they used on DeForest Buckner, who is a superstar uh, at his position. He is going to make that defense substantially better. Xavier Rhodes should have a bounce back season of sorts. Uh, Malik Hooker and Rocky Asin in that secondary give them a lot of talent. Darius Leonard. Um, you know, a little bit flew under the radar last year after a breakout rookie season. Justin Houston uh, played very well. Bobby Okariki is a fun name to say out loud. And on offense, that offensive line is is full of a bunch of maulers. And Philip Rivers has never played, as you point out, Breach, behind that good an offensive line. Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack give them depth and talent at the running back position that they missed last year when Mack got hurt. Hines is going to catch a ton of swing passes from Rivers. NC State to NC State connection. Michael Pittman, who Frank Wright called the best wide receiver, maybe the best wide receiver in this entire draft class, is uh, going to pair very nicely with T.Y. Hilton and Paris Campbell, who uh, I think people are sleeping on as well as, as a possible breakout in his second year. Uh, man, this is this team looks complete to me. I know the defense might not be elite, but I think they can run the ball, do a lot, a lot of play action with Rivers. He's not going to have the offensive load on his shoulder, shoulders. And as a result, I think the defense will be improved because of how well the offense plays. Give me the Colts over easy. Yeah. And one thing with Jacoby Brissett, they started five and two last year. Then he banged up his knee in week nine. They kind of fell apart down the stretch, but they still won seven games with a quarterback who played half the season with a hobbled knee. So this just feels like such a lock that. I, for instance, I hate to agree with you, but I'm agreeing with you. Hey, uh, no, you shouldn't hate to agree with me. You should always feel good about agreeing with me. They lost. I think they were probably about 500 to one score games, but you know, they lost to the Chargers and, oh my God, they had all those Vinatieri misses. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who they got I, I would say Vinatieri cost them at least two games. So that puts them at nine and seven again with a quarterback who has hobbled the entire season. Oh, and they got your boy Rodrigo Blankenship. They did get Rodrigo, but they also have Chase McLaughlin, who finished the season after Vinatieri went down. Chase McLaughlin's pretty good, so I wouldn't, you know, this job isn't just going to be given to Rodrigo. Uh, so uh, right. I wouldn't be surprised. And, and you know, Vinatieri hasn't said he's going to retire. Apparently, he's going to try and win that job. I don't think the Colts will give it to him. That's the headline here: breach colon Blankenship, a glasses wearing fraud. <laughs> Moving along to your Tennessee Titans, eight and a half over under. Uh, over minus 135, under plus 115, uh, as breach, breach point. What did you point out on HQ on, uh, on Tuesday? You're like, <laughs> the, the most consistent team in all of football. That you would have to be crazy, 
uh, to bet against them because the Titans over under literally floats between seven and a half and eight and a half every year. And everybody says, well, they're only going to hit the over if they get lucky and if everything goes right. And then what do they do every year? Uh, well, apparently they get lucky every year because like I said on the show, 2016, they went nine and seven, 2017, they went nine and seven, 2018, they went nine and seven last year. They went nine and seven, nine and seven is a lock for the Titans. Even if you don't think it is, uh, it's so easy to talk yourself out of how the Titans might play. And, and I, I only say, see seven wins or eight wins, but they always eke out nine wins. And the one thing I will say, you know, Brenton, I know you mentioned on the show that Dean Peace losing him was a big deal and it is, but Mike Vrabel is a defensive coach. He had his hand in that defense. It's not like they had an offensive coach uh, and they're starting from scratch. Mike Vrabel is going to be able to continue what Dean Peace was doing. I actually think this defense is going to be really good. They let Logan Ryan walk. I actually trust the Titans to do that. I think Logan Ryan is a great player, but they trust what they had in the secondary. Uh, and, and again, this is one of those – this is going to hinge, I think, their season maybe the over-under here on that Monday night game in Denver. If they can win that – they are a lock for nine wins. If they lose that, uh, on the fence. But obviously you have to make your bet before that. I do think they get the over. What a, such a weird team. I mean, like, they beat the Browns by 30 points in week one and then lost to the Colts by two in week two. In week nine, they lose to the Panthers by 10. And then the next week they come back and beat the Chiefs. Like, <laughs> such a weird-ass team. Uh, I do, I, I think my one concern is that I think there's a path for the things to sort of fall apart. Like this is a really good roster. John Robinson has done an awesome job building out this roster. I think, I think it's an underrated team. They grabbed Isaiah Wilson as a plug and play right tackle. That's where he played in college. There's no adjustment. He played for Georgia, a team that runs the crap out of the ball. So you can jump in and work as right tackle for a team in Tennessee that runs the crap out of the ball. Um, I, my one concern would be is if the defense takes a step back, and again, they have a ton of talent there, but if it takes a step back, I think it would throw the game script off for Tennessee where they wouldn't be able to run the ball effectively the way they did down the stretch. Derrick Henry won't be able to get going. He's had a ton of carries. If he slows down at all or regresses, that's a problem. And then Ryan, Ryan Tannehill will be less efficient if they're playing from behind. So, uh, that would be my, my one real concern for the, uh, for the Tennessee Titans there. Well, I'll say one thing they can't be worse at is field goal kicking. They were the first team since 1983 to hit under 50% of their field goals in a season. They went through four kickers. They lost two games because of their kicker, the Colts in week two and the Bills in week five. That was a 14-7 loss, but I think Ryan Suckup missed four field goals. It might be five against the Bills. I remember watching that in Stanford up in those uh, offices. All right, the Texans over under eight wins. The under minus 155. Not a lot of love for Billy O'Brien. The over plus 135. You can find this out there at uh, seven and a half at places, which makes a huge difference when you're making your bets. Yeah, I'm taking the under here. I know I I hate being down on the Texans because Somehow Bill O'Brien makes these dumb decisions all off season and then gets the team to the playoffs. So I don't know what that it says. Bill O'Brien, the general manager is not good. Bill O'Brien, the coach is good and also give a lot of credit to Deshaun Watson. But when I look at Houston's schedule, here's what I see. Uh, Hey, look, you start the season with the last two MVPs, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Then you have to go to Pittsburgh and then you play the Vikings. They could start 0-4. There is a very real chance this team starts 0-4. And, and if that happens, they're not going to dig themselves out of that hole. I don't care if they have uh, Deshaun Watson. They don't have DeAndre Hopkins anymore. We don't know if David Johnson's any good. Uh, so I'm pounding the under on this one. 
Yeah, it feels like a house of cards situation with Houston, doesn't it? And I, I don't like being like on the public bandwagon that you talk about where everybody likes the under. My problem is I don't know that like this offensive line has to be awesome this year because Randall Cobb, Kenny Stills, Brandon Cooks, and Will Fuller, the Cobb is an underneath guy. I get it. But like Stills, Cooks, and Fuller are all deep ball guys. Like is Deshaun Watson just going to stand back there and pat the ball and pat the ball and then chunk it deep or, or hand off to David Johnson? It just doesn't feel like a good football team if they don't stay healthy on defense. I mean, you know, uh, I don't know. I can't. I can't, I mean, I'm, I'm all in on the, the Colts. So I think I'm just going to fade. I'll probably fade the rest of this division, including the Texans. Um, you know, I prefer the under eight, but that's eight. 155 is a lot. Uh, I do think there's a chance to just go eight and eight, but Bill O'Brien finds a way to go nine and seven. Um, uh, you know, they start at Kansas City, Baltimore, at Pittsburgh, Minnesota. I mean, that could be zero and four. But that's not out of the question that they start 0 and 4. Brenton, did you mute me? That was literally my main point about the Texans. They were going to start 0 and 4 and they wouldn't be able to dig themselves out of that hole. I'm taking a shot right now. Every time Brenton repeats me, I take a shot. That's my, that was my New Year's resolution. Blackout by, uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was texting with my wife. Sorry. Um, the Jaguars (laughs) over under four and a half wins. So I don't know if you know this, Bruce. The Texans have a hard schedule to start. The Jaguars over under four and a half wins, over minus one thirty, under plus one ten. The lowest number on the entire board. What do you think? You know what? When I look at over unders, the one thing I do do, haha, do do. Uh, I look at the lowest over under on the board, and I generally take the over because look, Jacksonville was absolutely horrible last year. Nick Foles got hurt. They had to throw a sixth round pick in at quarterback, and guess what? They still won six games and now Gardner Minshew is going to have another year in this system uh you know last year he didn't get any first team reps during training camp because they all went to Nick Foles this year he's going to get those and you know what this defense is pretty good I think they can eke out five wins they play the Dolphins they play the Bengals they play the Lions they play the Browns I mean there there are definitely some winnable games on the schedule I don't think they're going to go 0-6 in the division I think they win one or two games there uh so I like the over here I think Jacksonville can get the five wins Mm. Um, what did you say about their schedule? I want to make sure I repeat it exactly. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I don't know if I back the Jaguars. I just don't think they're not good. Like what, what about the Jaguars leads us to believe that they're going to win five games? Because here's how many games they've won, uh, every year since, I don't know, what, what do you want to do? Uh, 2010. Six, five, ten, three, five, three, four, two, five, eight, seven. That's since 2009. Sorry. But you get the point. They don't want, I mean, I guess you said, yeah, I, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll go with you. I would say over, but Brenton, you go that. I can also say that in a hundred percent of the years over the past three seasons, they've hit the over 10, five, six. Well, I think the thing is, is that like even terrible NFL teams can stumble their way into five wins. The, like Dolphins the Dolphins did it yeah, last year. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Four, four and a half is just too low. Like it's, it's offensively low. Teams go five and 11 by accident all the time. So, uh, yeah, I think that's probably right. I mean, they get Cleveland at home, Houston at home, Detroit at home, Miami at home. They play at Cincinnati, who we think will be better, but they could win that game. Um, you know, they, they don't have to, the only, like the only game that you can definitely say they're not winning is at Baltimore. 
So yeah, all right, I'll go over with you on that. Uh, let's look at quickly. Let's look at some odds. The Colts plus one forty to win the division. Titans plus one seventy five. Texans three to one. Jaguars twelve to one. Colts are twelve to one to win the Super Bowl or the AFC. Excuse me. The Colts are twelve to one to win the AFC. Titans are seventeen to one. Texans thirty to one. Jaguars one hundred to one. And to win the Super Bowl, Colts twenty five to one. Titans thirty five to one. Texans sixty to one. Jaguars two hundred to one. Uh, I'll real quick. Again, I am not high on the Texans at all. I, I took their under, but they're the defending division champions and having their odds at third plus 300, uh, three to one. That's pretty crazy to get for a defending division champion. I, I would at least think about that. Wait till the season gets closer and see if those numbers change at all. They're two time uh, defi- defending champions. Yeah. And plus 300 for a two. That's, that's insane. That never ever. Bill, Bill O'Brien has been with the Texans. For six years, and he's won the AFC South four times. Yeah, so I mean, and, and pl- you're going to plus three hundred. That is, uh, and he d- he plays well against divisional opponents. He knows them so well. He wins those games a lot. So the only other one I really like, I kind of like the uh, the Colts to win the AFC at twelve to one. I don't know. I, I feel like I would want more value if I could get that at like fifteen to one. I would be all over it. Twelve to one seems a little low. So that's another one I'd want to see how it shakes out in a couple I, months. I would take, if you're going to take the Colts to win the AFC at 12 to one, I would just take them to win the Super Bowl at 25 to one because if they get to the Super Bowl, it means that they have taken out the Ravens and the, and or the Chiefs. And that means they will probably be playing awesome football and be favored in the Super Bowl. So you're, you'd be getting like a, you know, you're getting like two, you know what I mean? Like, you don't want to, I don't, you know, the crazy thing though, Brinson, is that you can't really look at, they might not have to play the Chiefs or the Ravens because of the weird, funky way the playoffs are set up now. You know, it's not like you have a one and a two seed, which would be the Chiefs and Ravens, and you have to play them. Maybe the Chiefs and Ravens end up playing each other in a divisional round, and all of a sudden. You know I'm saying that's why I said and or, like they'll probably, they'll almost certainly have to play one of them. Probably, but there's no guarantee like there would, yeah. probably would have been last year. So like if the Colts are one and the Ravens Chiefs are two and three, could they avoid them or how would it, I'm trying to think how they would avoid. I guess yeah, both because, of them could yeah, if the Colts were one, they would play the four or five, uh, game. And so the Chiefs Ravens would be in the playing each other in the divisional round. So, I mean, it, it depends. No, right, right. But I mean, but, like, I'm just, I'm just saying that like, if you're going to, if you're going to be in on the Colts winning the AFC, just be in on them to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. And then you can hedge out on the other team. You, you talked to me into it. Okay, good. I'm glad I talked you into the Super Bowl bet on the Colts to win it all. I think I already took him at. It's your boy, Philip Rivers, man. 30 to 1. I like the Colts to win the division at plus 140. It's, it's I just think, yeah. I just think they're just clearly the best team in that division. And if you're getting them on plus money, I want, I want all over that. Uh, and I, again, like your point about the offseason and knowing the coaches is a, is a very salient one. I think that matters a lot. All right. Let's get out of here. Coming up tomorrow, Sean Wagner McGuff will join me to break down the NFC and ASC West. And uh, we will wrap up the week. Make sure and check out our show on CBS Sports HQ, 4 to 5 Eastern, every single day for the rest of the week at least. Thanks, John. The time has come for drag queens to save the world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount+. Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.